If you're just tuning in, Happy New Year. I don't know about you, but around this time of the year, lots of people are setting goals for themselves or making a list of New Year's resolutions. Maybe for some of you, it's being more active or sticking to a budget or finishing a certain number of books by the end of the year. Whatever your goals are, it can be really hard to stick with them. That's where Daniel Pink comes in. He's the best-selling author of books like Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us, and The Power of Regret, How Looking Backward Moves Us Forward. Sasha spoke with Pink last year and started by asking him if he was able to stick to his 2022 New Year's resolutions. Let's take a listen. One of my resolutions was to try to carve out time each day, especially in the morning, to do sort of heads down, thoughtful work, writing and so forth. And I did a pretty crappy job of that. And largely, and, and the reason for that, it wasn't a lack of, mo- well, it was, I don't think it was a lack of motivation. It was really um, a problem of saying yes to too many things, especially things that I wasn't that into and ended up crowding out things that were important. Yeah. Well, how do you feel in general about New Year's resolutions? Do you think they're cheesy? No, I think that they're I think they're useful if we do it right. And and there's some pretty good evidence in social science about that. Katie Milkman, Hank Jendai, Jason Reese uh, have done a really interesting study showing that we're much more likely to make a change in our behavior on certain dates in the calendar, certain dates where we're sort of turning the page, you know, opening up a new page in the ledger. That could be Mondays instead of Thursdays and the first of the month instead of the the 13th of the month or the beginning of a quarter rather than the middle of a quarter. So New Year's Resol- New Year's Day, New Year's resolutions are kind of the quintessential fresh start date. So we have, I think, a, the potential to use it as a force for forward progress. We just have to do it right. Yeah. Well, you know, I talked about that problem that a a lot of us have experienced, which is not being able to stick with our resolutions and and just feeling unmotivated at some point. Is is that an issue you think sort of wide, widely? I think so. It's it's weird. Okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I think that one problem that people have with New Year's resolutions is they have too many. All right. This is, I think New Year's resolutions are a case where less is more. Um, in my own view, and I'm, I, I actually, through, through the hard, hard-won uh, sort of experience of failure, is that I think if you have more than two resolutions, maybe more than three, you're doing it wrong. Um, and so a lot of times – and, and so, so what happens is that if you have too many, you don't know what's important. Inevitably, our lives are about trade-offs. You don't know what you're trading off and why. You don't know what your priority is. You don't know what to you don't know what to focus on. So, as a consequence, you end up doing none of them, and you feel really bad about it. So, I think that it, this is a case where, when we come when it comes to New Year's resolutions, that subtraction beats addition. That really one or two yes. is the way to do it. Yeah. So you've said, you know, people usually have this long list of goals and that's something that they're doing wrong. Something else you've noted is that this list of goals, it's not specific. Yeah, this, it's Talk a really good point. I mean, I think that there's there's and again, we have pretty good evidence of this, that what you want for your news resolutions is not so much a general goal. I'm going to get healthy. Um, you want something that is specific and measurable and you know, you know, actionable. So it could be something like I am going to work out every odd number day. I am going to have a vegetable with every meal that I eat. I am going to drink a glass of water every hour or whatever it is. And so those kinds of things Mm -hmm. that are, that you can actually monitor and measure. Um, And again, here's the thing. It's like, we like to think about our failures with new year's resolutions as sort of a motivation problem, as a willpower problem. And to me, I actually think it's sort of, an environmental problem. You want to configure the environment 
so that you can succeed. And one way to configure the environment so you succeed is to have fewer resolutions and also to have very measurable resolutions. And also, you know, if you're trying to resist temptations to, um, to take those temptations out. So for me, um, you know, I have done actually a really good job this year of carving out time in the mornings for heads down work. One way that I was able to do that, I don't bring my phone. I haven't brought my phone with me into the office in the mornings. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the word measurable, and that's part of SMART goals, right? Sure. It stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time bound. Yeah. You've talked already about some some ways that we can be more specific when we're planning, especially I loved your gym example there. But uh, the idea of making goals relevant and time bound, that's super interesting, Daniel. What does it well, mean? Well, it, it means that exactly. you have to, relevance means you have to care about it and it has to be something that matters. So if if I say, um, you know, say, oh, I'm going to study um, a Serbo-Croatian vocabulary every day. If I'm not actually keen on, on, on learning Serbo-Croatian, it doesn't really matter that much. You know, it has to be something, and, and, and the goal has to be related to, 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 to your objective. You want to get healthy, obviously, exercise and eating are part of it, but other kinds of things would be ancillary. The thing about, um, about time-bound is, is, is kind of interesting in that, you know, again, we want to try to reduce how many decisions we have to make. We want things to be much more automatic. And so if you get into the, think about brushing your teeth, all right? Nobody makes a resolution, okay. I'm going to brush my teeth this year. All right. I hope not. Right. right. Why? Because you no. brush your teeth. All right. It, because you're supposed to do it. Right. Every and day. you get into the habit of doing that because there are certain kinds of cues. You go to your sink at night and you brush your teeth. You eat a meal and then you brush your teeth. And so what we want to try to do, let's go back to our example of I'm going to have a um, uh, I'm going to exercise on odd number days. I look at the calendar. And I say, oh, it's I'm going to exercise at four o'clock in the afternoon on odd number days. You look at the calendar. It's an odd number day and it's four o'clock. That's what I do. So, Daniel, have you figured out your resolutions for this year, dare I ask? You know what? I, I have. I'll, t I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'm going to do a full reveal here about what I'm trying to do. All right. So <laughs> so what I'm what I'm trying to do <laughs> is I'm trying to establish I'm trying to establish um, um, sort of three uh, three positive things every day. And I'll tell you what they are. The first is what is sometimes called a keystone habit. It's in some ways the habit that triggers all other habits. So for me, and again, for me, it's going to sound weird, but I'm, you know, we're among friends here is, is for me, waking up and immediately taking a shower, waking up, immediately taking a shower and getting five minutes of sun every day. And I haven't been doing that. What happens to me many times is that I wake up, it's like, oh my God, I'm so tired. I don't want to get up. I'm just going to go downstairs and have a cup of coffee, you know, and then I read the paper for an hour. All right. But if, if, um, if, um, if I do that shower right away, I'm kind of more woken up, more ready to go. There's some good evidence on, on the exposure to morning light as a way to, um, sort of, uh, 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 monitor or sort of uh, smooth out your circadian rhythms. So I do that. And I, I, yeah. I like that. That's a that's so a great habit. It's just a, to, it's just a keystone. It's just a keystone habit. All right, and it's and it's very measurable. It's like, did I take a shower or not? As soon as I woke up, um, and right. you know, it's not like I have to think about it. It's like, okay, this is what I do. So I know a little more information than people might want. Second thing, second <laughs> thing is that is that going back to my frustration from last year is that. I, for me, it's really important this year that I work on some creative projects and I'm not simply chasing my tail and responding to things that are urgent. And so what I have done is I have carved out the period from 8.30 to 11.30 to do quiet, heads down work. 
Um, and I don't bring my phone with me into the office that way. And I don't schedule anything else. Um, and that way I don't have to decide. I basically get to my office at, say, 830. My office is the garage behind my house. I get to the office at 830 uh -huh. and I say, oh, this is what you got to do for the next three hours. So what do you what do you do on days where you wake up and it's, you know, 830 and you don't quite feel like getting heads down work done? Is it OK to no. take breaks? I mean, it's OK to take breaks, but it's not OK not to show up. Uh, you, you have to show up and do your work. You can take a break in the in, inside of the work, and sometimes you don't get a lot done. But showing up is the key because here's the thing. If I don't feel – you know, I'm a writer, okay? If I waited around till I felt like writing, I'd never have written a thing. I write because <laughs> so I write true. because you show up and that's, and that's your job. So that's what I'm trying to do. And then the final thing is, is that I want to move every day um, in some way. So either work out in – sort of do a weight workout, uh, run, or even take a walk with my, with my wife. Um, and so those are my three things and I try to do, and I want to do and I'm trying to do them every day. And a way that I'm trying to monitor this is that it's technique, believe it or not, borrowed from Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, Jer yes, really? indeed. Jerry Seinfeld. All right. So he's a, obviously he's a comedian. And the thing is, he's also a writer. The reason he was, he's a good stand-up comedian is that he, he, you know, he wrote all of his material and he would write every day. And what he would do is he'd get a big calendar, a paper calendar, and each day that he wrote, he put an X. And what happened over time is that you have an X and an X and an X and an X, and you don't want to break the chain. That visual's got to be super helpful, right? Seeing those X's. I mean, we talked recently on our program about just making vision boards. Mm. And I, I've discussed how just seeing myself having pasted this thing on a board, this quote, this photo – that makes me want to get it done. Yeah, and you don't want you don't want to break the chain. You know, I'm I'm like like um, I'm I'm talking to you. I'm on, I'm a, I'm a, an hour ahead of you because I'm here on in Washington D.C. on the East Coast, and um, you know, um, a big part of me um, this afternoon does not want to exercise. Um, and um, but I look at that calendar and I'm like, wait a second, I got a streak going here. I don't want to break that. Yeah, no, I love that. Well. I want you to think, though, about things that are not necessarily tied to our jobs, right? Because you talked about yeah. writing and heads down work. It feels easier to not show up for the things that aren't our jobs. Okay, yeah. How do we stay motivated? Well, then? I mean, here's the thing. Make it easy on yourself, okay? So the way to make it easy on yourself, I think, is uh, let's take an example. Let's say, um, I don't know, what would be an example of something that's not in your job? You want to spend... Anything. I, I want to save money or I want to read okay. more books. Okay, fantastic. Those are two great ones. All right. Save money. Okay, save money. That's easy. Make it automatic. All right. <laughs> Get, yeah, <laughs> sure. I mean, we have, again, there's, I mean, there are apps. There are, there are, there are, there are, there, there have been literally a Nobel Prize given for this insight, <laughs> a Nobel Prize in economics given <laughs> for this insight that if you change the default choice, uh, so let's say you have, so let's say that you, you, you have a paycheck coming in. Um, automatically direct X percent of it, whatever you can afford, into your savings. Set it and forget it. That's the best way to save. Yeah. Don't make decisions. Change the architecture of your choices. Um, for, for, for reading, um, I think that the key, again, is, is, is specificity. So here's, here's what you can do. Put in your calendar um, uh, for a week. Uh, pick a time. Let's say uh, uh, 4.30 to 5 in the evening. 4.30 to 5. Mm -hmm. And say, and put in your calendar and say, reading. You're going to read during that half hour, five days a week. Um, 
you know, you read um, a half an hour for five days, you're going to make some progress in reading a book. Um, so, so again, yeah. the, the, saying I want to read more is too abstract. Making an appointment Making it, Saying it I'm going to read like a half an hour every day is, is concrete. Or you can say, I'm going to, after I'm done brushing my teeth, of course, in the evening, I am going to read 10 pages. Specificity, yeah, specificity in a time queue is, is really essential. We've been talking about habits or goals that we want to achieve and things that we want to maybe add to our lives, right? But what about breaking bad mm. habits? Because that comes up each year as well, right? Things that we want to just stop doing. Is there a different approach that you have to take when it comes to those things? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good that's a really good question. And and it's something that has has bedeviled me. Um so yeah. um so there, so there, so there are a few things you can do. Uh, I'll give you two specific uh, things. First of all, is to is to bring to the surface the things that you that really drain your energy and um, distract you. And there's an idea. This is an old idea. Um, I think I heard about it first from from Tom Peters, the management thinker. Um, Jim Collins, the other another management thinker, had this idea. But basically, it's this: all of us have to do lists. What we should what we should put together is a to don't list. All right. Actually, be Ooh. specific about the things that, as I said before, drain your energy, divert your attention, bring you down. And for me, and I've done that this year. For me, there's some, there's some, 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 some things. First of all, is 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 endlessly answering email. Um, that's one thing. And the second thing is saying yes to things that are just like so so. See, that's one of my. That is that is actually now we're now we're hitting okay, my list. Okay, good. Why? Well, you know, we're here to help. <laughs> now we're hitting my list, Daniel, and that is no longer saying yes to things that I want to say no okay, to. Okay, so okay, I'll give you some. I'll give you some things that have helped me on that front. One of them, one one of them is more of an attitude. The other one is more of a kind of a, a set of rules. So the attitude is this, um, and this is not original to me. Um, somebody else came up with this. Uh, it is. Um, is, is having a decision criteria that goes like this, criterion that goes like this. If it's not a heck yes, it's a no. Ooh, that's, that's I know, cool. because you know what? A lot of things aren't heck yeses, and our lives are limited here, man. You know, like, you know, we're not here forever. It's finite. If there's any doubt, if there's any doubt, if it's, it's a no. not if you have to think about it if it's and, not if it's not know. a heck yes it's a no now i think that this this question is different at different points in our life so for instance you know i have kids in their early 20s i think there you want to sort of lean in more to the yeses uh but as you as you advance you know as you get older and have more obligations and things like that i think that's a very good criteria so ask yourself is this a heck yes if it's not it's a no the other thing is to yeah. the other thing is to um the other thing is to set some rules. What you can do, and here's what's important, is you say, is you do this, like, um, thanks so much for reaching out to me. Um, because I'm trying to focus on some other projects, um, I'm doing only two interviews a week. And so I'm sorry that I can't do it. And you stick to it. It's, it's not BS. It's real. You have that rule. I have found that people, people are much more understanding than we give them credit for. Yes. The other thing is that this is an idea from um, Hal Hirschfield, who's a professor at UCLA, who's done a lot of uh, interesting work on how we think about our future selves, is that he said a really interesting idea that if, if someone asks you to do something in the future, okay, you're thinking about, do you have time to do it? So I say, hey, right. Sasha, you know what would be really great? It'd be really great if you like came to moderate my panel in, in, um, in May. 
All right. Okay. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Are you in my Sound familiar, right? right? No, I, I, I know. I know. Because I, I, I mean, if I had a panel, I'd love for you to moderate. All right. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say, hey, I want you to moderate my panel. And can you moderate my panel in May? All right. So May seems like a little bit far away. And you say, mm-hmm. well, I want to say yes, because I'm a nice person. Um, and, you know, you look at your May calendar and it's not completely full. That's a mistake. And what you could do instead, according to Hirschfield, is say, um, if if this ask were for you know next week, would you have time, the time and desire to do it? And in many cases, you would say no. That's true. So, That's so just true. some just That's just, great just some just some small tricks and things to. Uh, I do think that people, because most of us are nice people, we want to help other people out. Um, you know, and if you find yourself saying yes too much, these are some ways to. These are some yeah. ways to do that. That's fantastic. Are there any misconceptions or myths that are related to goal setting or habit formation that you think we should address now? Well, we, we talked about it, sort of circled around it. I think it's really essential in all of this is um, uh, don't rely on willpower. I think that's the lesson of a lot of this, a lot of the work that, that people like Wendy Wood and others have done on, 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 on habits and so forth. Don't rely mm. on willpower in constantly making decisions. Rely on structure, rely on like processes and rules, and rely on grooving in these, uh, grooving in these habits. That's wonderful. And I, I feel like you've shared with us so many things that we can walk away with and, and start planning right now. Uh, I'm thinking about the person that is hearing all this information. They don't really have any resolutions in mind right now, Daniel, but they want to start. Is there a starting point you would suggest? Here's the thing about us human beings is that as, as weak as our willpower can be, our brains are pretty incredible. And so a, a sort of technique would be this. Imagine that you're having a conversation with yourself um, on January 5th, 2024. What do you want to have done or have accomplished? All right. What's that person in 2020, a year from now, what is that person going to like when, when, when Sasha interviews you and say, what are you proud of over the last year? What's your answer to that question? And I think that that can give you some clues. And so start small, start specific. Um, but but think about think about your future self. What does your future self want you to do? Uh, what do you want to have accomplished in a, a year from now? Do you want to have written um, you know st- uh, you know written several chapters of a novel? Do you want to uh, ha- be in better physical shape? Do you want to have spent more time with your friends? Ask the person you're going to be in a year, and then reverse engineer work backward with specific practical things that you can do to achieve that goal. And when you meet that person, when you meet future you in a year, future you is going to give you a big high five. Future you. That's fantastic advice. Daniel Pink is the author of books like Drive the Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us and The Power of Regret, How Looking Backward Moves Us Forward. Thank you so much for joining us, Daniel. We really appreciate it. A pleasure. It's a good start to the new year. Thanks for having me. more reset i'm patrick smith in for sasha and simons before the break we heard author daniel pink talking with sasha about some tips on making resolutions that stick now we turn to another expert to help us stop getting in our way in our own way and actually make the changes we want to see this year katie milkman is a behavioral scientist and host of the choiceology podcast she's also the author of the 2021 book how to change 
the science of getting from where you are to where you want to be. Katie Milkman, wake, welcome to Reset. Thanks for having me. So, Katie, I'll, I'll just start with the most obvious question. Do you like to make resolutions? Oh, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of New Year's resolutions. You know, I'll admit, I, I kind of am like at war in my own head about them. Part of me is sort of like, ah, it feels like a bit of a cliche to, to decide that you're going to change yourself at, at the start of every year. The other part of me is like, you know, we all have a capacity to change. It seems like a, as good a time as any to, to sort of set new goals for yourself. Yeah, well, what I love about New Year's resolutions is that they actually take advantage of a phenomenon I've studied called the fresh start effect. Um, so in research with UCLA's Heng Chen Dai and uh, Wharton's Jason Reese, who are both of my collaborators, we have looked at this phenomenon where at, at moments in our life that feel like chapter breaks or new beginnings, we are more motivated to pursue our goals. So New Year's is, of course, the most famous, the one that we all think of when we think of fresh starts, but actually every Monday gives a little spike in motivation, uh, the start of a new month, uh, celebrating a birthday, coming back from a major federal holiday that you associate with a fresh start, say Labor Day or Memorial Day. And we see spikes in how frequently people set goals on popular goal-setting websites around all these new beginning dates. Um, we see changes in, in gym attendance among undergraduates at these dates, and we see that searches for the term diet on Google spike, which, by the way, is the most popular New Year's resolution. So I think leaning into that added motivation we get at these moments that feel like a clean slate in life is a great idea because goal setting does work. It, it helps us change for the better. And if there are specific times when you feel ready for that kind of change, it's a great idea to lean into it. Okay, so in other words, I should throw my cynicism in the trash. So, so you're talking about the, the power of fresh starts. Why is it so hard then for people to keep their New Year's resolutions for, I'll speak for myself, for, for me to keep my New Year's resolutions every year? Well, unfortunately, we are not extremely well set up uh, to change. So first of all, there's lots of structural barriers to change that any individual might encounter, right? Maybe you don't have the financial situation or the health situation that would allow change. And that's a whole set of challenges we could talk about for hours. But actually what I study are the internal barriers to change. So even if everything is set up structurally, it turns out our own psychology is working against change in many ways. We are wired to prefer instant gratification over long-term rewards. We're creatures of habit who tend to take the path of least resistance to achieving outcomes. And that can be really problematic when you want to break a bad habit. Uh, and that's your goal. We also tend to be quite forgetful. We can lack confidence in our ability to succeed. And so there's all these different things that can can make it hard to change. And what I study and what I focus on in my book and um, my research is when once we've isolated which barriers we're up against, what are the best and most scientifically proven solutions that can help us successfully change? And really the first step is figuring out which of these is going to be a problem for you when it comes to your goal. Are you um, struggling because you lack confidence? Are you likely to have challenges with fitting this into a busy schedule or, or remembering and prioritizing? Are you likely to have challenges because you find it miserable to do the thing that's good for you or because you already have a bad habit you need to break? And once you identify which barrier you have, then actually there's a lot of good evidence on what strategies may help you succeed and happy to get into some of that. But it's really important to do that diagnosis step and a lot yeah. of people skip it and important to rely on some of the evidence-based ways that you can then be more successful. And most people just set a resolution and stop there. Yeah, it's it sounds like... Um 
self-awareness is kind of key. And he's like, sounds like you need a lot of self-awareness to, to be successful in the way you're talking about. I think that's right. I think self-awareness is really important and, and also just planning. You know, a lot of us recognize when we have something important that we need to accomplish, say, at work, that we need to be strategic about it. We need a plan. You know, you can't uh, get to the moon without breaking that down into into bite-sized steps and figuring out how to allocate resources. But if you're thinking about how do I get in shape or how do I learn a new language or pick up another hobby or get my finances under control, people think, well, that's just going to be my priority and I'll get it done. And we aren't as strategic and we don't make those detailed plans. But it turns out in our own personal lives and with our personal goals, we need to be just as strategic and plan oriented. Speaking of strategic, author Daniel Pink in that in a conversation we just heard with him and Sasha he, he pointed to having too many resolutions, more than two or three a, as a problem. I mean, do you agree? Is that is that something people need to think about when they're setting goals or resolutions? Yeah, it's a really great question. And I actually I wish there were more data on this. Mm. There's one study that was done by Steven Spiller of UCLA that looks at what happens when people try to make detailed plans for multiple goals as opposed to a single goal. And um I should say that that plan making, of course, as we've just been discussing, is really critical to goal success. In general, it's one of the most important things you can do once you have a goal is, is detail. You know, when will I pursue it? Where will I pursue it? How will I pursue it? But it turns out in, in this research, what they found is that um, planning for multiple goals simultaneously actually reduced the likelihood of success, whereas planning for a single goal, of course, increases success. Uh, and that's been shown time and time again. And I the key takeaway is that actually when you're doing this planning process for multiple goals, it can be really demotivating and overwhelming. So I do think that that um, study points to the risk of doing too many things at once. And it would suggest it's a it's a good idea to try, you know, maybe a week at a time. Maybe you have a goal for January. Maybe there's a new goal you focus on come February once you've got your January goals um, moving forward on autopilot. That that does seem to align with the best evidence, but I think there's actually a, a lot of open questions about what's the optimal number of goals to pursue and how much do you have to separate um, setting and planning for different goals in time in order to be successful. Yeah, I'm interested in this idea of sort of whether or not it's good to really plan it out or over plan or, or set broader goals. I, I'll speak for, for my own personal experience. I think in previous years, I had set a goal of like, I'm going to work out every other day or something like that where... Um, you know, the first day I missed of in my plan, I sort of was like, oh, well, I, I blew my New Year's resolution already. You know, it's only been seven days or something like that. Whereas last year I set a goal of, of working out four days a week and, and that I was able to, if I had to skip one day, I could make up for it. Um, I wonder if you could talk about your, you know, give us some practical examples. What are your resolutions this year? Have you made a plan on how you're going to accomplish them? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Um, my resolution this year actually does have to do with um, exercise. I uh, I have um, resolved to also work out four days a week. Okay. Um, and I, I do it on um, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. Um, so I've picked those days and in the morning. Um, on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, it's right after I drop my son at the bus stop. And on Sundays, it's, uh, you know, when, when my husband sort of takes over on childcare in the morning, I'll, I'll, pop up and, and work out. So I have been really specific about when and where, and that's based on really excellent research that's mm. come out of uh, NYU's psychology department. Peter Golwitzer has shown that when we detail when will we do it, where will we do it, how will we do it, we're dramatically more likely to follow through. And there's evidence on this in my own research with just prompting people to make those kinds of detailed plans 
when they're thinking about getting a vaccine increases follow through. There's work on this and get out the vote. So if anybody ever calls you and is trying to convince you to come vote in an election, you're going to hear them say, you know, have you decided what time you're going to vote, um, you know, where you're going to vote and how you'll get there? Do you have those details sorted? Because there's evidence from Todd Rogers at Harvard University that that significantly increases the likelihood of a voter turnout. So there's really strong evidence on this. Uh, one thing I will also say is that a lot of people, not only do they skip the planning phase, but they they make their goals too big and broad and vague. Mm. And I love the goal that you specified. It's very similar to the goal that I've specified because you broke down the big sort of I want to get into shape goal into here's what I'm going to do on a weekly basis and here's how many hours of it I'm going to do. And that turns out to be critically important too. And a lot of people skip it. We did a research study last year where we worked with a volunteer organization that had volunteers who'd all committed 200 hours of, of volunteering a year and that they do some hours every week to meet that goal. And we said, you know, you actually could do better if instead of sending reminders about the 200 hour yearly goal and, and asking people to do a little every week by reminding people that breaks down to four hours every week. Mm. And just a simple change in reminders that went uh, that changed the language in that way to highlighting that 200 hours a year means four hours a week, increased volunteering 8%. So mm. uh, there's really some solid evidence that supports the importance of this. Uh, likewise, there's research showing by Hal Hirschfeld at UCLA that, um, and by the way, Dan Pink was mentioning some of his work earlier. He's a really great scholar in this in this space and author of the um, book, um, Your Future Self. Um Hal has shown that if you invite people to save $5 a day instead of $150 a month, which PS are the same thing, <laughs> you see more than a tripling in how many people say yes to that offer. So we're much more interested in uh, in pursuing goals that feel bite-sized and approachable. I want to talk about procrastination. As a procrastinator, I, you know, I, I have a real division between my current self and how I view my future self. I think of that person as almost a completely different person for me, which I, my understanding based on research is, is one of the problems that some procrastinators have. Uh, it can be too easy to say, I'll start this tomorrow or next week. Essentially that's next week, Patrick's problem. Uh, it seems like a big barrier to changing our behavior. If we're procrastinators, how do we solve this? How do we sort of align ourselves with our future self or, or how do we make plans that we're actually going to, going to stick to? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and, and this is a really important and common barrier to change. There's sort of two ways to deal with procrastination, which is the result of something called present bias, or again, this tendency to care more about instant gratification the here and now than um, distant rewards. So solution number one is to make the thing that you are tempted to put off more instantly gratifying. So you're no longer wanting to do it tomorrow because it sounds so fun. You want to do it today. <laughs> the other approach is actually, so, so that's sort of the carrot approach. The stick approach also can work, which is I'm going to make the penalty for delay so high that I can no longer stomach um, punishing future me that much. So to be really concrete about these two approaches, um, if we want to think about the, the carrot, you want to try to figure out how can I make it more fun, actually, to pursue this goal. And one of the strategies I've studied for doing that is something I call temptation bundling, where if, uh, say, say your goal is like ours, we both want to exercise more this year, but you've really dread going to the gym. A temptation bundle would look like I only allow myself to binge watch my favorite TV show while I'm at the gym exercising. And now instead of dreading my workouts, I actually look forward to them. I don't procrastinate because at the end of a long day at work, all I want to do is find out what happened to my favorite characters on, you know, Bridgerton, Game of Thrones, Succession, whatever you're watching at the moment. 
And so I look forward to my workouts. Time flies while I'm I'm at the gym. And P.S. in the bargain, I probably waste less time watching lowbrow TV outside <laughs> of um, my workout. So that's that's one way, right? We just change the equation. So I don't procrastinate because I look forward to the activity. It's really important and an often neglected strategy. And we've shown that temptation bundling can help not not just with exercise, but with anything, right? You can temptation bundle with cooking a fresh meal for your family. That's on, the only time you get to listen to your favorite podcast or open your favorite bottle of wine or, uh, you know, a restaurant that you only get to visit when spending time with a difficult relative. So lots of temptation bundles exist. Yeah. And the other side. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, please. Well, I was going to say the flip side of procrastination, the sort of the stick side is you you agree to basically penalize yourself if you don't pursue the goal in a timely manner. And there um, there's a strategy called a commitment device, which is basically incentivizing yourself, which sounds really weird. We're used to, you know, getting a speeding ticket if you give into temptation and drive too fast. So that's someone else slapping you on the wrist for for giving into temptation. But you can actually find yourself for say not making it to the gym four times this week by setting up a commitment contract with a website like BeMinder or Stick.com, which I have no affiliation with. Mm. Um, but you know there are a lot of sites where you can do this with a friend. You just need to choose a referee and a goal and and say, basically, I'll give money to a charity I hate. They have charities on either side of contentious issues um, or you know, just it's like a swear jar uh, <laughs> if I don't achieve this. And it turns out there's really strong evidence that these kinds of self-imposed fines can be a great way to overcome procrastination. So, so which, you know, we, we only have about 30 seconds left. Which one, it, based on your research, based on research of others, carrot or stick, which is more effective in overcoming procrastination or, or achieving your goals, whether procrastination is your issue or not? Probably the most effective, frankly, is the stick, but oh, a lot of people can't. I'm sorry to hear that. Stick. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear it too. I'm sorry to say it. it's it's even helpful with helping people quit smoking, which is, you know, actually addictive. And and we haven't found evidence that that the carrot can necessarily be as, as potent. But that doesn't mean you have to choose the stick. For a lot of people, the stick just isn't going to be the right fit for them. And and PS, you can choose both. But I'm a big fan of temptation bundling, and that's what I'll be doing this new year. Excellent. That is Katie Milkman, author of How to Change. Katie, thanks for speaking with us. Happy New Year and good luck on those resolutions. Thank you. Same to you.